Chapter Nine of the Ghost Girl by Henry Kitchell Webster. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Nine Fighting the Devil with Fire. I was just finishing up an afternoon's work at my office a day or two later when my clerk brought me word that Lieutenant Richards of the police wished to see me he came in rather impressively and seated himself beside my desk but after his first word of greeting he let the better part of a minute go by in silence underneath his officially omniscient manner it was possible to see that he was both puzzled and excited well said i at last to start things who pays for that dinner at churchill's he didn't answer the question directly but brought his big fist down on a heap of documents that it took the office boy half an hour to straighten out again your friend geoffrey said he is a queer fish he'll be blind to a fact that's as plain as the scareheads on the morning edition of an afternoon paper and then he'll turn round and take a picture postcard and find out more from it than the whole department could learn in a week he was right about it then said i richards nodded are you sure he can't read japanese he asked he said he couldn't said i and i've never had any occasion to doubt his word well it beats me said the lieutenant that printing was an address just as he said spelled out in some sort of a flowery japanese way over on east twenty-second street they made east with a picture of the rising sun can you beat it well i had the place looked up and she's there all right she the woman whose other place we raided the one who was doing the materializations she's a clairvoyant now and crystal gazer i suppose her husband's somewhere around in the background you haven't arrested them yet then said i you can't arrest them yet said richards on the murder charge the thing's too thin of course any arrest in connection with that murder is going to be a tremendous sensation and if we let the big noise loose before we get our case will probably scare the case away the thing to arrest them on is the charge of extorting money by the practice of magic if they didn't know we suspected them in connection with the other thing we might be able to get some valuable admissions out of them what's the difficulty about that course said i there must be some difficulty or you'd have followed it there is said the lieutenant she's keeping very quiet she isn't advertising nor holding public seances nothing that would justify a raid the only way to work it is to get someone to make a complaint against her i understand said i someone has got to go to her and consult her and pay her money and then complain to the police that's the idea said he and the difficulty is that they're so shy and suspicious and they know all the investigators so well that they won't take anybody but bona fide clients and a bona fide client won't complain 
my desk phone rang just then and the next moment gwendolen's voice was in my ear if gwendolen wanted to be a missionary and go about scattering sunshine as the phrase goes all she'd have to do would be to spend an hour or two a day calling people up on the telephone in the midst of their business worries and giving them the momentary luxury of the sound of her voice i'm in your outer office she said i came down to sign those papers you wanted it isn't important a bit but when they told me lieutenant richards was with you i couldn't resist asking whether mr jeffrey had been right about the postcard come in i said we're rather at a standstill and you may be able to help us out it's mrs jack marshall i explained to the lieutenant as i hung up he had looked a bit dubious on hearing me invite her in but he lighted up immediately on hearing who she was the manicure girl he cried i wish we could pin a star on her and make her one of the force where we'd have been without her in that marshall case i hate to think they greeted each other pleasantly and it didn't take us two minutes to present our difficulty before her she sat smiling in thoughtful silence for a moment after we'd done and then electrified us both by saying i'll go and consult her myself you wouldn't want to do that gwendolen i cried an informer's lot is not a happy one any more than a policeman's you'd have to go into court and appear against a woman and be subjected to an examination by a third-rate police court lawyer i'll go she said but i don't promise to make a complaint perhaps i'll be so pleased with the fortune she tells me that i'll think i have had my money's worth and shan't want to complain but the complaint's the thing we need said the lieutenant we can't do anything till we get it i don't know said gwendolen perhaps after i've talked with her there may be some other way she smiled again and i saw the outline of that other way was already in her mind though it was equally clear that she didn't mean to tell us what it was richard saw it too and he laughed with a sort of amused vexation you're almost as bad as mr jeffrey he said you want the police to leave the thing alone until you've tried your hand at it oh no said gwendolen you can do anything you please only i thought you said you couldn't arrest her without an informer well you've got me the lieutenant admitted i shan't have to ask you to wait more than a day or two she told him then she got up nodded to me said the papers could wait and in another minute was gone it only needed a glance at gwendolen's face when i came home that night to convince me that she had made good her word so far as her promised visit to the spiritualist went but when i looked from her face to jack's i could see that he didn't approve at all of his pretty young wife's taking any more police problems on her shoulders and i suspected him of wishing i'd kept her in the dark about it well i more than half agreed with him you've been to see her i asked she nodded and laughed and do you feel you've got your money's worth out of the fortune she told you or are you indignant enough over the swindle to inform the police and have her arrested 
the fortune certainly wasn't worth two dollars said gwendolen i could tell a better one myself with the grounds of a cup of tea all about a dark man and a blond man oh but it was silly but she seemed to feel that that sort of fortune-telling didn't amount to much herself and when i got very sympathetic she told me in a very spectral blue-lighted sort of way that her real work was in acting as a medium for communications from the other world she wanted to know if any of my loved ones had passed into the beyond and said if they had she could help me to communicate with them i got very interested and trembly myself and asked if i couldn't come to one of her seances she said she wasn't giving them any more not publicly at least on account of the police then we both waited a minute and at last i asked her if the spirits could come anywhere she wanted them to because then we could have a private seance somewhere where the police wouldn't dare come she said she could do it all right but it came rather high introducing spirits into a private house seems pretty expensive business it's going to cost thirty dollars and jack thinks that's awfully extravagant extravagant jack snorted angrily it's the only silly thing i ever knew gwendolen to do but what is she going to do i asked why she's going to bring that woman here here to-morrow night for a seance in this house i wish you'd try to bring her to reason i can't i want you all to come she said madeline won't she says she's going to spend the night at the crosby's i think that's just an excuse but i want you and mr jeffrey oh and lieutenant richards i want you to call him up cliff and invite him at the mention of richards name jack fairly blew up what on earth are you thinking about he demanded we'll look nicely in the papers the next morning shan't we i should think you'd had enough of that sort of thing there won't be anything in the papers said gwendolen rather coolly i should think you knew me well enough to have a little more confidence in me than that but gwendolen i expostulated if you have that woman arrested here in our house for conducting a seance i don't see how you can keep it out of the papers on the whole i'm inclined to agree with jack you'd better have nothing to do with it richards will find a pretext in a day or two for arresting her she won't be arrested for conducting a seance said gwendolen that's not the plan at all what is it then i demanded she was silent a moment before she answered then she said no i'm not going to tell you you might make all sorts of objections you just come to the seance it will be down in the library at eight o'clock to-morrow night and see what happens i promise you that you won't be sorry if you do and that you will be sorry if you don't that's fair and now if you still tell me to let it all go and pretend i never went to see her never heard of her i'll do as you say jack's got the casting vote said i it's his house and it's his wife what do you say jack he laughed 
oh i haven't the nerve to tell her not to do it said he a husband's authority is all very well but it's an awkward thing to exercise it on anybody who's as likely to be right as gwendolen and you'll come she asked and you'll let me have lieutenant richards that's the bargain isn't it you're to run the show we'll obey orders and no questions asked you're a dear she said i've half a mind to tell you all about it but it will be ever so much more fun for you if i don't will you call up the lieutenant cliff the marshal's library was a big rather formally arranged room with a fireplace in one end between a pair of bookcases and opposite it at the other end of the room another pair of bookcases with a mirror between it was very dignified and rather solemn for an everyday family lounging place i rather wondered at gwendolen's choice of it for it seemed to me that it more than any other room in the house was unfitting for her purpose it would be almost profaned by a piece of charlatanism such as gwendolen proposed to have take place there but we had agreed to ask no questions the next evening at eight o'clock we all gathered there except of course richards who had to keep in the background until the lights were out and the seance fairly begun the medium herself was a rather rotund person with a peculiarly disagreeable voice and a pasty complexion her cabinet which was nothing but a wooden frame two feet square or so and seven or eight feet high stood in the corner of the room behind where the medium was sitting a little to the right from it was a small portable organ which was apparently to be presided over by the medium's assistant geoffrey and i exchanged glances when we saw that he was unmistakably a japanese geoffrey jack gwendolen and i sat around in a semicircle opposite the medium geoffrey's chair was at the end within reaching distance of the old library table which had been moved over to the side of the room to leave sufficient space for our circle there was a little doorway at the end of a sort of narrow alcove which led into the back hall this door was left unlatched and we had taken the precaution to oil the hinges when things were fairly started richards was to come down to this door and station himself where he could observe events and take any action that they might render appropriate i had attended seances many times before and had long ago learned that they were always exactly alike so that it was with no thrill of excitement or expectancy that i took my seat and waited for things to begin jack shared my feelings and both he and i were puzzled to account for the demeanour of the other two of course such things might be new to gwendolen but even novelty alone couldn't have given that added colour to her cheeks nor quickened her breathing as for geoffrey he was as excited as she though all he showed of it under a studiously repressed demeanour was an edge to his quiet voice we were all very hushed and decorous as the etiquette is at such gatherings the lights were all turned out except the spark from one high low which had been provided for the purpose 
the japanese went to the organ and began racking our nerves with hymn tunes frightfully out of key both literally and figuratively for we all had associations with them that made the cheap trickery of the present occasion jar badly on our nerves after he had played a while the medium began to talk her throaty unpleasant voice fittingly accompanied by the rasping wheezes of the little organ her english was as bad as her voice and her vulgar platitudes and her supposedly mystic jargon were worse than either after a little introduction she began to ask questions with the perfectly obvious purpose of getting data for the communications we were waiting for gwendolen was the only one of us who was either inventive enough or sufficiently interested to make replies but these were evidently encouraging to the medium for she warmed to her work there were a few preliminary manifestations the muffled jangle of a bell and some thrummings on a badly tuned guitar and then suddenly in a moment of stillness a thin childish voice spoke out of the empty air it was pretty well done and if i had not been waiting for it and been perfectly acquainted with the trick of ventriloquism by which the medium herself produced it it might have startled me that's my control announced the medium in her own voice now if any of you have any questions to ask of any of the departed bright eyes will give them power to speak and perhaps to appear before you but i warn you to sit absolutely still in your places as a single move might have serious results there was a moment of silence if the faint drone of the organ does not forbid the use of the word and then Gwendolen spoke. "'I wish to communicate with someone,' she said. "'She passed over on the 19th of December.' It was perhaps ten seconds before the medium answered. I wasn't thinking so much about her as I was about the date. There was something vaguely familiar about it. "'What was the name of your friend?' the medium asked she never told me her name said gwendolen but she will know who i mean by what i can tell about her what can you tell so that bright eyes can know who is called she was very beautiful said gwendolen and already the thrill of her voice was beginning to infect me with a new excitement she was young about my own age i think and she had wonderful masses of beautiful blonde hair. The organ stopped playing, and the silence gave the situation a new thrill. I felt a current of air stirring about my feet, as if someone had opened a door. The thin, childish voice spoke now again, but somewhat uncertainly, as if the throat that uttered it were contracted, with a sort of unreasoning fear it is not enough it said i must know more the girl i want to communicate with said gwendolen steadily was frozen in the ice of the river 
she had been murdered it was a long half minute before the childish voice spoke again it was fainter still this time and before it was half through the sentence it had died to a rasping whisper there is no answer it said the spirit does not know who is called it needed the grip of gwendolen's hand on my forearm to keep me in my chair because across the room opposite where i sat and almost behind the medium there came a glow of bluish light and in the midst of it apparently itself the cause of it appeared a face but it has come said gwendolen she is here look her voice was not loud but it rang like a bell not in terror but in triumph and as she said the last word she let go my arm and pointed for a moment the medium sat without moving almost as if frozen herself and unable to move but no one can resist the command of a finger pointing behind one and slowly unwillingly but irresistibly she turned what she saw there at the far end of the room shining in the bluish light it seemed itself to be the cause of was the pale ethereal face and the shining golden hair the blue light silvered of the dead mysterious unknown girl the police had found frozen in the ice two months ago the woman looked at it dully for a moment then she clutched suddenly at her neck with both hands the next moment she screamed piercingly and fainted there was a rush and the sound of a scuffle by the door geoffrey turned on the lights and we saw a strange man struggling out of richard's grip not toward the door but toward the woman who lay unconscious on the floor let go of me damn you he said i'm not trying to get away let me go to her he kneeled beside her for a moment without paying any further attention to us but presently when he found her regaining consciousness he looked up and frowned at us across her body what have you been doing to her he demanded you might have killed her if you had you'd none of you have got away from me what did you do to her the woman drew in a long gasping breath it was the face she said faintly it was irene's face i saw her looking at me where did you see it he asked unevenly there she said and she pointed toward the big mirror that stood between the bookcases we all followed the man's eyes as he turned about but what he saw and all any of the rest of us saw was our own pale astonished faces reflected there he turned back to her can't you forget that he asked can't you ever forget it what was irene fournier to you geoffrey walked over to richards and held out his hand congratulations richards he said it looks as if you were right about it after all end of chapter nine